let's just have a focused time of prayer if we could. If you need to bow down and on the, at the pew there or sit down, or if you need to come to the front, whatever position God's calling you to be in right now, let's just spend a few moments praying to God, thanking them that he's called us out of the grave and that he is the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. Let's spend some time with him this morning. God, we thank you that you keep your promises. Never fail. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Our way maker our provider, our sustainer. Thank you. God, you've called us out of the grave. You've not called us to live a life that doesn't glorify you. You've called us to live a life that brings honor and praise to your name. Our goal each That our life that would people see Jesus of what we have done, how we're acting, how we care, and may they be drawn to you. May you use us to draw people to your kingdom. God, we thank you for your love. Bless this time we're spending together. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just a, another quick announcement to add to what Jeff listed there for you is next week's going to be a special time as the worship ministry. Behold. 
I want to be here, bring a friend, come be a part of it. Be to, to sing and to praise his name. It's there in the bulletin. You can use, if you didn't, you can use there. But next Sunday morning, 1030, the behold him. Let's continue singing and worshiping our Savior with crown him with many crowns.
again. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Oh, what a precious story it is, dear Heavenly Father that story of your love for us, the story of your redemption for the ones you love. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you and we thank you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. wondering if we're going to be in the dark. Maybe an icon about the message, I don't know. Hey, a couple of other announcements that we may have missed. Some of you guys love to be out in the outdoors, hunting, fishing, uh, doing all kinds of stuff like that. There's a Beast Feast coming up this Thursday, April the 28th, out at Ford Park. Uh, I will be at my wife's recital, so I'm not going to be going, but some of you guys would love to do that. And if you would like to sign up, uh, you can go online or you can meet us at the Connection uh, Center after the service. And we got some more information about that. And also, we, we didn't mention earlier that Stephen and Alex Henry will be here next week 
Uh, Stephen is coming in view of a call as our new student minister. And that's a great opportunity for us as a church family to be here, to welcome them, to encourage them, and uh, our chance as a church family to vote on them. Well, last week we had the Living Cross over here. Wasn't that beautiful? That's such a great reminder, and there's so many things happening so quickly. Uh, Last Sunday, we didn't get to address all of these, but, you know, the cross, a great new tradition, because I think as we uh, look at that, we were reminded, if you came early, you saw the cross was chicken wire with a little greenery on it, and then one by one, as people came in and put their flowers in there, it created a beautiful portrait of what the church is all about. We're beautiful by ourselves. You guys look pretty good today. We're beautiful by ourselves, but we are majestic when we all come together. And I think that cross was a picture of what the resurrection is supposed to do. We come together and we are so much more than we could be by ourselves. And thank you guys uh, for letting us slip out early after the service. Uh, Some of you didn't know, but we saw all the people scrambling for the egg hunt. And Michelle and I ran to catch a plane to go to D.C. because Easter was our granddaughter's fifth birthday. We haven't missed any birthdays so far that I'm aware of, right? Michelle keeps us on track with that, and so we were in D.C. for a couple of days to celebrate with them, but thank you for all of the energy, all of the effort that went into last week, and um, I just pray that each week we would see it as an Easter opportunity. We want to welcome those ladies uh, online who were worshiping with us from the beach retreat down in Crystal Beach. Some of them stayed down there. They're basking and sunning in the sun, watching us online, not listening, just watching to say that they were watching. But uh, glad that you're here. We're in this series called Mandates, teaching us to obey everything that God has commanded us. Why? So that we can feel the weight of God's commands? No. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, it says that this is love for God. This is how we express our love for God is by what? By obeying him. And it goes on to say that his commands are not burdensome. Sometimes it feels like God's God's commands are so weighty and hard and heavy, but it tells us that they're not burdensome. So, going back to the very beginning of this series when we were talking about all these commands, the objective is not for us to be weighted down as we go through this series. Oh, there's one more thing I'm not doing. Oh, one more thing I need to do. The objective is to know that these commands will give life to our very being. I grew up in a very small southeast town in Arizona, People have ever seldom heard of Sierra Vista, Arizona, so throughout my life, I've constantly referenced it as just that, a small town in the southeastern corner of Arizona. When our family moved there in 1969, there was only one fast food place. It was Dairy Queen, and it was old school. It didn't have any chairs. It didn't have any tables. It had a very small entryway that you went in to order ice cream because I'm not even sure they sold anything but ice cream. One high school, one junior high, not a big place. So when I think about the invitations that I have received over the course of my life, I am amazed at this old country bumpkin has had some of the opportunities that I've had. Six years ago, Michelle and I were invited to the green room where Roger Staubach had just spoken at a national convention. And we were introduced to him by David Tischer, who brought us there, And we met the Dallas Cowboys' iconic quarterback. He was was a figure that I idolized as a kid, and I never stopped respecting him as an adult. 
And he graciously gave me a signed football that is in my office. And if you try to take it, I will kill you. Mm. On August 9th, 2018, our 32nd wedding anniversary, Michelle and I were involved in Tolbert and Chisholm's funeral right here at Westgate. It was one of the most unusual situations that I've ever experienced because one of Tolbert's dear friends is Oprah Winfrey. And she came to the funeral, and I met her in the east parking lot of our church, escorted her into my office. We sequestered her there for privacy and security. And I walked down the hall, leaving my office, saying, this is absolutely crazy. Oprah Winfrey is sitting in my office. On Sunday, October 29th, 2017, I was again sitting in my office, looking over my sermon notes before the worship service, and I got a text from Mark Pekisic inviting me to Game 5 of the World Series at Minute Maid. It lasted five hours and 17 minutes. It was a pivotal game in the series that the Astros won, and it even today is a World Series classic. It was so emotional, back and forth as the, the lead would change. It got so loud in there, you could barely hear them banging on the trash cans. Some great invitations. But you know, the greatest invitation of all is one that has been given to each of us. It's an invitation with commands and promises. And it's found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Very familiar words from Jesus. And if you would turn there, I'd love to read them. An invitation with commands and promises. Jesus speaking to the people that were gathered there in Jerusalem, and he said, come to me, the same words that he speaks to us today, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, then I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God, we thank you for this incredible invitation that you have given us. No matter what invitations we have received in life, none compare to this. The invitation to come into your very presence, to enter into a relationship with you, to be with you, to know, with you, know you, to walk with you, to experience life with you in this life and for all of eternity. Lord, would you give us the capacity now to better understand this invitation that carries a command or two or three. And take heed to what you've said in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Jesus extends to us an offer to become his disciple. To believe in him. To follow him. To re orient our lives. You ever feel disoriented? I know I do many times. And Jesus says, I want you to come into my very presence and find the reorientation that you desperately need for your life to go wherever I am leading you and to do whatever I am leading you to do. This invitation requires a response. We either accept it or reject it, just as the people that Jesus was speaking to that day. 
requires energy, effort, concentration, focus to actually experience Jesus. Because Jesus, in many ways, is the batteries to our life. It's been referenced before that our lives are much like a flashlight. The question is, do we have batteries in there to make them work? Jerusalem was a place that was notorious for turning against the prophets and the leaders who came from God. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, that, that he longed to gather all of those rebellious people like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wing. Listen to how it says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. We stand here like those on that day in Jerusalem in which Jesus spoke to the people that were gathered there with arms extended, come to me. Arms open wide. We all know what that feels like, don't we? We've had those experiences when someone's blown a whistle or they've pointed at us and they've motioned, meaning come here, but we also know the difference of when someone sticks out their arms and they would say, come to me. It's an invitation to be embraced. The Jewish religion was filled with endless rules. And when Jesus was saying, come to me, he was saying, come to me and find your rest because you're weary and you're burdened. There were always rules to follow. So many rules that you couldn't even know them, much less obey them. You're reading through the Bible, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, some of your favorite books, right? But as you go through there, I, I pray that you won't stop reading because there are things to be seen in the Old Testament. That's why God gave us all 66. Work a little bit harder. Try to figure out what is it you're trying to say to me. One of the things that God spoke to me is how many times we see in those books that we so oftentimes want to overlook. It talks about unintentional sin. We didn't even know we were sinning. And that's what they're talking about here. People of the Jewish faith didn't even know when they were sinning. Joshua would talk about the same. Ezekiel, along the same lines. Why was the law even given? When Jesus is speaking to these that are trying to follow the law, why was the law even given? The law was given. It was intended to be impossible for us to follow so that it would show us of our desperate need for God that we can't earn our own salvation. And that's exactly what the people were trying to do when Jesus spoke to them. Why were they weary? Why were they burdened? Because they had all these rules and all these ideas and all these regulations and all these laws in which they were trying to God, trying to please him. And Jesus says the only qualification See, we won't come to unless we recognize that we cannot do it on our own, that we are desperate need for him. Just a simple admission that I want you and I need you is all that is required. They were desperately trying to find God, desperately trying to please him. And when Jesus talks about this weariness, it's this weariness of everything that was going on that inside, internal exhaustion. Any of you feel it? 
if you don't feel it, I see it on a bunch of you. Internally exhausted, worn out. Am I measuring up to God? Am I doing what God requires, what God expects? Does, does God, is he always disappointed in me or just most of the time? Some of us think like that. Come to me. Who are exhausted on the inside of trying to figure it out on your own. It goes on to talk about being burdened. That's the external pressures. They had so many external pressures upon them of what was expected of them, of how they were supposed to behave and act. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like there's a lot of external pressure on you? Expectations? One of the reasons I don't participate in social media is I'm not that efficient with my time. I just can't figure out how to put that into my schedule. But another is all the expectations. My daughter tried to get me on Twitter once, And I remember sitting down trying to think of something to say and then saying it. Before I hit that send button, it was like, did I say it right? And I thought, I do not need any more stress like this in my life. So you won't find me on Twitter. You know, there's a level of despair that comes with all that. The people that Jesus was, was talking to, One by one, they were coming to the realization that they would never measure up to God's standard. You remember what God's standard is? How about our youth? We talked about this on on Wednesday night. You remember that passage from Romans? Yeah. Romans 3, remember? All of our youth that were there Wednesday night. Remember? It was Romans 3, and then it was like down in the 20s. Then it was like Romans 3. 23, there it is. We have a great time on Wednesday nights up there. We learn so much. What does it say in Romans 3, 23? Everybody, all of us have fallen short of God's standard. And those people were coming to the realization that that's where they were. Maybe you feel that as well. And God is saying, if you're weary, you're burdened, not just that you're you've got too much on your plate and you've over-delegated, over your schedule's more than it should be. You haven't delegated. Jesus isn't saying, I'm just talking about busy people. I'm talking about people that are really trying to find me and feel like they're coming up short. Come to me. Arms open wide. Not a whistle, not a motion, not a point, not a demand, but an invitation. And I will, what does it say? I will give you rest. Literally means I will cause you to rest. It's a reminder of of Psalm 23, a favorite for so many people. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He what? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He causes me to experience rest. He leads me beside those still waters. And Jesus says, if you will follow me, if you will come to me, then I will cause you to experience this internal rest. I love Psalm 23, 3. Remember what that says? He restores my soul. He punches the reset of our soul 
to where it is supposed to be. It means to be revived, to be refreshed, because Jesus wants us to experience his joy and pleasure. Everything that is lacking without him, the strength and the courage that we need to face each day, to address what we want and need. Jesus said to those and to us, he said, the search is over in me. You can keep searching in other directions, but you'll always realize it, it won't end until you come to me. See, Jesus' rest is, is liberating. It's freeing. We don't have to strive to be recognized. We don't have to strive to prove to people our identity. We can be liberated from the guilt of our sin. It's a gentle response. We live in a very chaotic world, don't we? I remember in 2019 standing on the sidewalk of India, New Delhi. It's a crazy town, extremely busy. People going in every different kind of direction. And I just casually stepped off the curb and our tour guide grabbed me abruptly behind my neck by my shirt and yanked me back up. And he was saying, don't do that again. Why? Because if you step in the wrong direction, you get that kind of world. Vigilance, just to stay safe. And Jesus says, if you will come to me, I will give you the safety and the rest that you desire. How do we do that? That's where the command comes in. Jesus extends his invitation and says, you'll find rest for me. But there's a command. Here's the command, the mandates that we've been talking about. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There's two right there in, that, in those two phrases. Take my yoke upon you. What does that mean? In Jesus' culture, it was commonly expressed that you took on the yoke of someone that you would follow. Might mean, that, might mean that you took on the yoke of the law. It could be that you took on the yoke of the commandments, took on the yoke of a rabbi. You took on the, ro- the yoke of some type of leader. It was a phrase to indicate submission, that you were submitting yourself to the authority of another person. It's a picture of a team of oxen. We don't understand that, do we? But in the, the agricultural environment in which they lived, they would team up oxen together. We've heard of a yoke, most of us, but the yoke would go around the neck of the animal. And that would liberate the power of that animal to be used in a productive way. But to be submitted to the Lordship of Christ, that's what he's saying. Take my yoke upon you, submit yourself to me. And what an invitation it is, because in that culture, you would have a master oxen, the, the older ox, if you will. And they would put the yoke over the master oxen that had already learned how to plow and how to work with a farmer. But then they would yoke that with another younger ox to learn the process of how to become productive. See, when we submit ourselves to Christ, we are going into his yoke to walk 
beside him, to be submitted to him. Those crosses over there on the wall remind us of this very thing, that some are submitted and some are not. One submitted to the Lordship of Christ and said, would you remember me as you come into your kingdom? And the other thought, I'll figure it out. Hadn't turned out too well in this life, but I'll figure it out. I'm sure everything will be fine on the other side. No, no need for me to submit myself to you. And Jesus says, if you will come to me and take my yoke upon you, then you will learn to live as I've intended, to live in love like Christ. Learn from me. It does take some effort on our part to learn who Christ is through his word, through the gathering with the church body, through relationships that we share with other Christians, through biographies that we read of Christians that have gone before us, through prayer, through fasting, through various spiritual disciplines. It requires effort to learn who Jesus is. And you know the thing about Jesus' yoke? It fits perfectly. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Jesus was a carpenter, remember that? And there are stories told, we don't know if they're true or not, but stories are told that that Jesus made the best yoke in all of Israel. People would come from afar. And when they would make a yoke, they would tailor-make it for the animal. Jesus has tailor-made his yoke for you. Friends, let me say this. We will all be harnessed to something. The only question is, what will be harnessed to? Will we be harnessed to our work? to the approval of other people, financial security, substances that help us cope with reality, achievement, contentment, sexual identity, sexual activity. What is it? We're all going to be yoked to something. We are yoked to something. The only question is, whom? When we're yoked to Christ, we experience life as he intended his lordship. Some of you are golfers. Go ahead. Golfers, give a shout out to you. You love to play golf. You play best ball, right? What's a best ball tournament? You always want somebody that's going to have a good shot every time, right? When you spend life being yoked to Jesus, it's a perpetual best ball tournament. Jesus is always leading you to the very best spot. Dana Ortland said it this way in his best-selling book, Gentle and Lowly. What helium does to a balloon, Jesus' yoke does to his followers. It lifts us up. I am gentle and humble. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's a promise of not only what Jesus will do, but who he is. John Calvin was the one who said, there is nothing that troubles our consciences more than when we think that God is like ourselves. So many times we have projected who God is based upon what we think he is or what we know we are like. And here is Jesus, the only place in Scripture that he gives clear identity as to who he is, and he says, I am gentle and humble. What a beautiful picture of the God that is inviting you to come. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jonathan Edwards said, God's love is like an ocean without shores or bottom. 
That is the God that wants to embrace you. We live in a world that is filled with all types of evil, don't we? Think about what we see over in the Ukraine now. Reading about just this last week, a bomb that didn't detonate that was found in the Ukraine from the Russians. Written on the bomb to the children. That's the world in which we live. Yet here is God inviting us to come into his presence. We're all harnessed to either Jesus or something else whose yoke is around your neck. That which hangs around your neck can be a noose that will strangle the life out of you or, as I recall from the days of being a lifeguard, when we would go into the pool to retrieve someone, our arms would go around them, around their neck, through their arm, and we would rescue them. We can look at Jesus' yoke as a noose that will strangle us from living life the way that we would desire, or it can be a life-saving rescue. Whose yoke is around your neck? Friends, all of us need to be reminded. And not only do we need to be reminded, we need to be reminded to remind others that God loves us and he's created us to have a relationship with him. But because of our sin, as the scripture tells us, we are forever separated from God unless we turn to Jesus Christ. Thankfully, Christ can make us right with God. All we have to do, as Jesus said, receive his invitation to humbly repent of our sins and surrender our life completely to him. If you've never done that, I pray that you would. Maybe even as a Christian, you're still struggling to fully surrender your life to the Lordship of Christ, that yoke around you. Let's pray together and invite God to do just that. Lord, we recognize that in this moment, there may be some that have never received you as Lord and Savior. They are harnessed to a different yoke. I pray that right now, they would recognize the greatest thing that they can do with their life is to be yoked with you, to harness themselves to you and pray a prayer similar to this. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have, and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, we've been reminded of this incredible invitation that you have given us today. It's come to you. Now we also know from Scripture that many turned away. When your arms were extended, they, they went in a different direction because they thought, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to yoke myself to something else. It's the tendency of humanity. And sometimes we can find ourselves professing you as our Lord and Savior, but we're fully yoked to something else. And God, might we realize the danger that we might even be entertaining false security of salvation by believing that. May we believe to the core of our being that without you, we are hopeless and helpless. But with you and through you, we can do all things. Oh Lord, may we all fully surrender ourselves to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
In a moment, we're going to experience the Lord's Supper, which is a, a symbolic reminder of what Christ has done for us. And so I want the deacons to go ahead and make your way uh, to the front up here. If you will go ahead and begin to pass the elements out. I know some of you may be visiting with us. We're delighted that you're here. And then just take your time to figure out whether or not this is a, a church that you would like to be a part of. We want, we want everyone to end up in a church where they feel like they're connected. It makes sense that this is where they should be. You don't have to be a member of Westgate to join in the Lord's Supper, but you do have to be a follower of Jesus Christ who has made a public profession of your faith in Christ, and then you've been baptized as a demonstration of that. And so if that's where you find yourself today, you are welcome to join us in this remembrance of what Christ has done for us. Some of you may come from different faith traditions, and you wonder what these elements are. It's grape juice, a leaven cracker, and those two elements are symbols, and you guys can go ahead and begin to pass those out when you're ready. They're symbols. We're not saying that that is Christ. They're symbols of Christ, but it's important for us to remember that Christ is here with us. We don't do this absent from his presence. He is here as we gather together as a church. And So take some time to, to celebrate this invitation that he's given to all of us, to come to him, be released of our burdens and our weariness, and to know of his rest. Take a couple of minutes to pray even now to prepare your heart for this experience.
pray together. Who is their deacon that's going to pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this glorious day and for the opportunity to do one of the most important things we do here as a church, which is to observe the Lord's Supper in remembrance of you. I pray that this uh, rejuvenates us and allows us to be filled up with your spirit and to continue to go back out into the world and, and again be messengers of light and avoid the darkness. And I pray that through this demonstration and through our continued obedience that we continue to bring you glory and honor. And I pray that anyone who observes us, whether we're at work or whether we're at church, that we're walking in the light and that we are, are being Christ-like so that people can see you in us. Again, I just pray that you give us the rest that you promise us, Lord. Help us to stay focused and not be so busy and, and not be in discontent looking for other things to gratify us, but help us to just be in rest and to carry your yoke and to be a light for others. We ask these things in your name. Amen. It's interesting that we find these words that we address this morning come to me not even halfway through the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus, with arms extended, come to me. We've all had those experiences of someone opening their arms and saying, come to me. Jesus didn't say it again until he hung on the cross. Unique to crucifixion. It's the only form of execution where the person dying dies with their arms extended. Come to me. Jesus would say in his word, do this in remembrance of me as often as you gather. Before we sing our closing song, again, as a reminder, if you've made a decision to receive Christ, want more information about what it means to follow Christ, want somebody to pray for you, maybe entertaining the idea of joining Westgate, or you just need some spiritual counsel and direction, know that you can go to the Connection Center right after the service, it's right on the other side of that wall, Somebody will help you get in contact with someone that will minister to you. I'd also like for us as a church family, unique opportunity for Joe and Jana. This is their last Sunday before they become husband and wife. I'd love for you guys to come here to the front and several of you just gather around them and pray for them as they come into this week in which they will share vows with one another, making a commitment before God to walk through this life as husband and wife. And so several of you would just huddle around them as we sing this song, pray for them. If you want someone to pray with you, I'll be at the crosses, and of course we can meet you out in the atrium after the service. So let's all stand together and respond as God might lead us. song we could ever see worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe worthy of every breath we could ever breathe 
we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. breath we can ever breathe we live for you
God bless you. Have a great week. Pick up VBS yard signs.